Hello and welcome to the Collecting Heroes podcast. I'm your host, JD, the collector of collectors, and this is the place where I interview pop culture collectors from around the world. Today, I'm not going around the world. I'm staying within my backyard. In fact, only a couple hours away from where I live right now with a collector who, he is that bloke. In fact, he is that Star Wars bloke. His name is Luke Kellett, and he's from Newcastle, Australia. Luke, thanks for being on the show. G'day, JD. Thanks so much for having me here. It's lovely to meet a um, another absolute nerd very close to home. Yes, 100%. And, uh, I mean, people may hear the accent a little bit there as well. Obviously, I, sa- I said you are from Australia, but technically uh, yeah, uh, by way of England. Yeah, bo- born in Yorkshire, so my, my vowels are like bus and bucket and go away and all that <laughs> stuff. So. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely a hybrid these days. I don't sound Australian um, to the Aussies, and I don't sound uh, uh, like I'm from Yorkshire to those from back home. So stuck in the middle, but that's all right. Yes, yeah, I've noticed that when I watch the reels, I, I was always like, "There's a little bit of accent there." I couldn't yeah. try. I was trying to pick it. But... And to be honest, it depends on how many beers I've had. The more the more beers, the more Yorkshire comes out. <laughs> is there a good beer in Yorkshire? I know we're, we're, this isn't supposed to be beer talk, but is there a good beer from Yorkshire? You know that, well, uh, Brewdog Brewhouse, I believe, is from Leeds in Yorkshire, so that's where it started. That that is um, Brewdog is long after I left the UK, and before that, there wasn't much craft beer. Like my memory of drinking beer in England is is warm and flat, so. Um, not (laughs) until I have, uh, since I've moved to Australia, there's some great breweries, but not when I grew up there, it was a very different place in, um, in the nineties to what it is in, uh, in 2020. And you prefer you be a cold now, I I imagine. Be a cold's good, especially in Australia, especially in 40 degree weeks, days, months. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I actually, uh, and, and we will definitely get into Star Wars chat, but I drove up to Newcastle, this is pre-pandemic, I think it was 2019, I think it may have been, around what is called Australia Day here, and we actually made the drive up, because it's a public holiday, to swim at the bogey hole, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's the oldest, it's the oldest um, man-made outdoor pool, I think, in Australia. They made all the convicts uh, with their bare hands dig it out for the... Uh, the magistrate or whoever it was that uh, was yeah to newcastle back in the day but it's an yep, amazing yep. swimming hole it's incredible it was beautiful i, yeah. I, I actually we, it was a great day but we just made this we just said screw it one day we're just gonna we're just gonna drive up and uh, on this day and it was a 42 degree day i believe um mm-hmm. and for people in the u.s because i have a lot of u.s listeners that's well over 100 degrees i believe it's like close to 110 maybe um but it's just yeah, it was it was it was it was a three-hour drive from here to get to the bogey hole, but it was worth it when we got to go that swimming there. It was a beautiful day, um, beautiful swim, and then I got to get dough heads donuts on the way the best. home because because I am a foodie and we've been talking about the fact that that is one of the best donut places around. Definitely in Australia. Well, <laughs> when you next come up, I'm taking you there, and um, we can talk Star Wars in the in person and eat donuts. Yes, yeah, and let's start talking Star Wars, right? Because I did invite you on to talk Star Wars. Sounds but, good. Uh... But hey, donuts and bogey <laughs> holes—that's that's also fine. Beer, donuts, bogey holes—a good start. It's good. I mean, like we can talk obviously things that we're familiar with, both being around a similar area, but also 
yeah. you know, like the accent might be different, but when you're speaking geek, it's all the same, right? So let's jump in. How did you get into Star Wars? Well, Star Wars for me was, um, it's a kind of, it's two, two answers to that question. First time and the answer with my dad. So in 1992, watching mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi on VHS. Nice. Um, and that was my first, that was my first memory of Star Wars, seeing all the Ewoks and various things like that. Um, and, you know, kind of experiencing Star Wars for the first time with my dad thinking, you know, he's holier than holy and seeing all this stuff as like a young boy was pretty awesome. And then I had a, I had a big gap I would say of Star Wars. And I think most people did in the nineties. So there wasn't much really happening. Was there between, well, I guess after Empire Strikes Back, we had a couple of things, uh, sorry, after mm. Return of the Jedi, we had a couple of things. And then um, my next introduction was actually a cinema experience watching a Phantom Menace. Nice. Um, so I was, uh, how old would I have been? That was 99. So I'm 35. So uh, I was 11, 11 or 12 going to see a Phantom Menace at the cinema with my dad which was a pretty special memory. So yeah, two introductions to Star Wars. The first one I was very little, you know, um, five, six, and then 11, 12 for Phantom Menace. Wow. That's actually funnily enough. There's, um, a lot of like easy, like well, similar comparisons, uh, to myself getting into Star Wars. So I was probably around that age of maybe five or six when I first got into star wars it was during the original trilogies were 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 coming out and um i'm a few years older than you but i remember collecting the stickers they had the sticker books and you could collect the collectible stickers to put in the sticker books and i remember collecting those as a kid i remember um getting the vhs's and watching those in fact i remember specifically we used to holiday down the south coast south of sydney when i was a young kid and i remember going to a video store and picking up a star wars vhs because you get the week you know uh, if you remember renting videos and younger listeners would be as yeah, familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you would have the weekly like dollar for a week or yeah. two dollars or whatever it is um and i and i picked up a star wars one and i didn't realize it was a beh- it was behind the scenes making of star wars vhs star wars to jedi it may be. I'm not sure. I, I, it, I, this is literally yeah. now uh, as many years as you are old almost ago. So uh, like that, I remember watching that on repeat and just watching how they made the movie. And I didn't understand it, but I just loved watching this the stuff. Think- and I and then I think they talk about making the sounds, how they, how they did all the sound yeah. effects in it there sounds, and everything. It sounds like it's um, from Star Wars to Jedi, which is, in my opinion, probably... It's probably equally, if not better, than the movies themselves. <laughs> it's it's amazing peak behind all the making. I mean, I'm a you know we work in similar industries, so I, I work in the creative industries, um, similar to yourself, and um, you know like uh, the the industrial light and magic, the ILM studios, mm-hmm. and all the trickery and you know stop motion. It's it it's one of the massive draw cards to me of of Star Wars and all the amazing things. So yeah, I can resonate with that. That that documentary is very, very, very special. Yeah. So I just I remember this one summer holidays watching that on repeat um, over and over again. And like I said, the, the one thing that sticks out in my head was that the the image of 
Vader firing up the Star Wars, like firing up the, the lightsaber, firing up Star Wars, <laughs> firing up the, the lightsaber, and them talking about the sounds and how they made it and banging on metal piping or whatever I think it was. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah to, for the, to get that. Yeah, the, and I think they used it for the Tie Fighters or something. Oh, the yeah, the blaster sounds or something. Uh-huh. Like yeah, amazing stuff. And so my next real memory after that was the late nineties and it was the the re-release when they had did the re-release with the digital re-release that came out on vhs um at that time george lucas did like a remastered version um that added in stuff and and that was all in the hype coming up to the phantom menace and then seeing the phantom menace in the cinema and it was my first ever midnight screening that i went to so i went to a, a midnight screening of that and it was the first time I ever saw people in cosplay up close as well. Is that right? So, there you go. Yeah, so I had people dressed as Sith and and um, as as uh, Jedi's, and they they reenacted a lightsaber duel at the front of the cinema before the movie started, and everyone was cheering. It was that's it was amazing. So, so, so good. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so I was a few years older than you. I would have been about twenty years old at the time that 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 happened. So it was yeah, it, it, that's a cool memory, a Star Wars memory for me. Yeah. No. Um, the re-release there's been a lot of talk about the re-release actually because um that i don't know if you know much about hot toys the one six scale figures but there was yeah a, a little bit there was the Jewback just got released um by or announced oh. by hot toys. and it's from the 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 original um a new hope but it has hair on it and there was all these fans that were up in arms saying Jewbacks don't have hair on them and of course in the first un digitally mastered versions they did they did yeah <laughs> but very few people have seen those um those original unmastered versions of star wars because they've they've never been released outside of vhs and most vhs's if they still have, exist are fried from people like you and me rewinding them and <laughs> playing them again and rewinding yes. them and playing them again so yes yes yeah, super interesting Let's let's go into like obviously it's great to to nerd out about Star Wars and and our love <laughs> of it and like I said that's I always start with with where where you love it but let's talk about the collecting part of it as well because this is sure. a collecting podcast your collection and funnily enough you referenced the Hot Toys and one six yeah. scale that's a big part of your collection uh, yeah. when when did the collecting start is that is that more recent thing or is that something you've you've always had had Star Wars things laying around. Yeah, so um, my first toy, my first Star Wars toy, you, you would you'd probably remember these. It was a, it was I, I was wasn't old enough to have the cool Kenner toys. Um, mm-hmm. So my, uh, when I was growing up, it was Power of the Force toys, with it, which were these horrible kind of bulky He Man things. I do remember those. Um, and they were so they were so shit, but um, <laughs> I have lots of <laughs> I have lots of very fond memories of them. And I had um, my first collection collecting piece. Um, that I used to play with nonstop was a scout trooper and scout trooper bike power of the force figure. And when you used to throw the speeder bike, it used to explode into about a million pieces and you'd have to spend like half an hour trying to put it back together and (laughs) flip it in. And um, I've got to try and find one. I've, I've been doing some kind of soft searches on eBay and stuff, but they're not overly easy to find. So if anyone knows of any, let me know. But um, yeah, so that was my first ever memorable Star Wars piece. And then when I moved to Australia, all my all my belongings in the UK kind of I had to sell most of my things. And um, 
just practically emigrating out to a new country you can't you can't take everything with you so mm, of course um i really started afresh when i came here um in it was around 2007 2008 um and uh we run me and my wife run a creative agency in newcastle so design uh, photography marketing web stuff all that kind of shenanigans and mm -hmm. we had a client that uh found out that i was a real big star wars nerd like i would say maybe like 2014 2015 and at the end like every meeting he would just bring me something oh so cool he would bring me this you know a helmet that his kids had had um uh you know when they were younger so i had like a um a clone trooper uh phase one clone trooper helmet that he'd bring me and then that nice. sat on the shelf and then you know he'd bring me yeah i don't know like little kit 8080s or various things and then at the end of this project he 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 said i've got something for you but you're gonna have to come outside i said all right then we came outside and he opened his boot and he he had a massive uh, legacy millennium falcon which was like a hasbro re-release from like the early oh 2000s. wow they're huge those things they're huge it's like it it's um in terms of size it's a it's roughly about the same size as the like the studio used model <laughs> um it's not as accurate obviously because it's a toy no. but it, it's, yeah, yeah. it's big um so yeah so he gave me this and then all this stuff kind of sat on my shelves at, at the studio at our business and star wars things is or any kind of fandom you know like whether it's batman or star wars or whatever it might be it's like yeah it it becomes a really easy thing for people to buy for you doesn't it if they know that you like it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so it became like this bloody magnet that <laughs> <laughs> like every <laughs> every birthday or like if someone saw something you know i'd get a message and so the collection actually built at my at my work which is where my collection is now in a, mm. in a new form so that that happened about about 10 years ago and then i would say over the last five years is where i kind of started to curate it so yeah i um i run a i run a hype uh, the hyperdrive facebook group um and contribute to the hyperdrive youtube channel and we yep. um we commission on the facebook group like a lot of artists that have worked on the sets um some of them or how are you know incredibly gifted and kind of make something look about as good if not better than the real thing um you know from original scans and stuff like that so yeah from there i started to build a lot of good relationships with the makers and various things and then it just snowballed out of control i would say the last five years so you know <laughs> i started curating things and then you know i'd, I'd learn too much about something of like all oh, that thing that i have here isn't quite accurate so let's find the next one and then i'd sell that and you'd you know you probably know exactly what it's like it's um i, I do and and it's funny you say about the um with the hyperdrive star wars channel because anyone who's familiar with listening to the podcast uh and and listen to the star wars episode in the first season would know that my first ever star wars guest on on the show was george medina aka the medina lorian yeah, yeah he was the person that you um you run this with so when i originally reached out and we were start, we were chatting through instagram I, I didn't realize that connection happened and then yeah. like, we kind of put two and two together and it was like oh awesome you know him i know him yeah You're in australia, i'm in australia that was funny those little connections there but how did you how did you uh i want to talk about your agency a little bit too because we've met, sure. mentioned it a couple of times and and 
the fact that you've got the setup there at your agency. But just on the um, YouTube thing, how did you get involved with George? How did you meet him? So I met George through, um, so all Instagram, all social media. So, um, you know, in about, I think the, the Facebook group was founded by Christian goals, who's our friend in Germany mm-hmm. and George obviously founded the YouTube channel probably back. Um, was it the hyperdrive when you interviewed him or was it MCE originally maybe that he was running the other? I th- well, yeah, he was doing MCE at the time. Um, yeah. and, and I think hyperdrive came in just just past that i think it was just yeah, past cool. that. yeah so i think so the the facebook group has been around since about 2019 2018 2019 but it was traditionally just like a a german collecting group for christian and a bunch of his friends to kind of share their collections and in 2020 obviously the pandemic happened and mm-hmm. i think everyone in the collecting world went online <laughs> so, went nuts we're yeah. nuts ordering things, right? We, we couldn't go anywhere. So uh, yeah. we were like, bring their collection to us. Yeah. And <laughs> and I think everyone was obviously technology improved because there's a lot of collectors, particularly in Star Wars, but other fandoms too, that are obviously a lot older than me and you. Mm-hmm. Um, and technology wasn't necessarily how they connected. So what yeah. the pandemic did is it forced people onto platforms like Facebook that were an older generation that were these amazing mm-hmm. collectors. And you had this whole amazing cycle of education that was happening. So things like the um, prop replica um, forums and things like that, um, that had been on those groups for years, they would come over to the Facebook, they created a group there and all this community started to develop. So, so that happened on, on Facebook. And then George started the YouTube channel around two years ago, I believe, um, which is when you would have, if it's around that time, when you would have chatted with him, um, the hyperdrive and we met via instagram basically just in messages and um we had a lot of mutual friends on instagram that were following but being in australia you would find this yourself like you were quite isolated here mm-hmm. um from lots of people so i i've never met any of these i've met a few of them now but i'd never met any of them in the flesh and we were all just talking online and connecting mm. and yeah found the facebook group with christian started involving myself there and um and working with George on the live shows initially for the hyperdrive and then started contributing content uh, last year. So, yeah. Nice. And you've done an amazing job. I have watched a couple of episodes with you on the smugglers den episodes as well. Thank I really you. enjoy watching those. I really enjoy seeing like every time you guys are bringing out a new, uh, a new prop, a new replica. Uh, there was the guy who's, I can't think of his name, but he's got the big, silver tubing that comes out of his face YouTube, and he... yeah benthic yeah. yes from from rogue one isn't it rogue one yeah that, yes, that yeah. thing that thing's shipping at the moment so i'm really oh, yeah. excited to get that but so ben hookerby who was the maker that did that he recently yeah. he just finished working on the ahsoka series so he was in the prop department um for oh, ahsoka so wow. he was one of he was one of the makers that made um contributed to making sabine's costume I'm I'm geeking out now, but P.S. I don't, I'm just gonna like say spoiler free zone for a yeah, second. Sure, sure, I, sure. I actually Thank haven't you. watched the okay. first couple episodes yet as well. I've I've just started. My girlfriend and I, because I saw the uh, the the quote online saying that Dave Filoni says people should watch season four of Rebels, but yes. prior to watching Ahsoka, so I said, well, we've got to watch Rebels because I haven't watched Rebels yet, and okay. so. 
Um, I, it's just one of those things I've never got around to watching. Well, so we've literally me, been for the last week, we've been binging a couple of episodes um, okay. every night. So we're in, we're almost, I think we're up to season nine of episode. Uh, no, so it's season two, episode nine. Is okay, what we're up to. We literally just watched, yeah, just watched something uh, before. Yeah, we just watched one just before I started recording with you. We're actually when we're having dinner. Well, so, I did. Me yeah. and me and George last a uh, couple of weeks ago, we did. I'll send you the link. We did a little video um, of like essential episodes to watch in okay. Clone Wars and Rebels. So if you did get impatient, you could you could skip ahead with that watch list. I'm actually enjoying Rebels. I'm going to watch. Yeah. We've we've committed to watching the whole thing um, from from it's, JD start it's, to finish. Um, I think it's it's the best Star Wars that's ever been made, Rebels. I, it's uh, you you are going to go on quite the journey over the next couple of weeks. I'm very excited for you to experience was, that for the first. I was time. quite yeah. Well, I was quite like it was for me. It was like exciting seeing the in the Inquisitors after watching yeah. them in uh, Obi Wan yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, yeah, this is really cool. Like, I mean, no, you're, there's you're obviously an element of of it's a a kids like animation yeah. still in, in some of the cases, but it, it also there's so much like Star Wars folklore and bits that I'm going, Oh, that, all oh, that, all oh, I, oh. and like, I, I picked that Ahsoka was going to turn up originally. Yeah. Actually, I don't want to go into too many spoilers in there, but I, I picked when she was going to turn up like some of that I could predict, but yeah. I was like, I've been really enjoying watching it and yeah, uh, Rebel, we're definitely going to watch is, it all. Rebels is really special. And have you, did you see Clone Wars or some of Clone Wars? We've seen some of. I think. I think I only got up to about the end of season one of Clone Wars, and then cool. we just we watched so much content. It just was one of those things that kind of yeah. got dropped off. And watch, then, watch, in favor um, of the live action stuff like Mandalorian and, and watch, others. Um, watch the last episode of of ever made of Clone Wars as well. I'd say okay. If you only watch that. So season seven, seven, final episode. Clone Wars um, before you watch Ahsoka. And between that okay. and Rebels, you're, you're good as gold. Okay, sweet. Now, uh, just like I said, spoiler-free zone. What's it, what, what would you give it out of 10? Like just uh, quickly out of 10, the, those first two episodes. The Ahsoka shows, 10 out of 10. Nice. Okay, nice. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to no it. no other way. It's not a 9.5. It's not a 9. It's a, For me, it's a 10 out of 10. I've, I've had some arguments with people that, you know, it's not a 10. But for me, this is a, this is a, it's a 10. <laughs> wow. That, that's, that's, that's some pretty big shoes there. That, that's, yeah. that's pretty good. I, I think I'm, it's, I'm it's possibly some of the best Star Wars that's ever been made in live well, action. I mean, seeing Rosario Dawson, when she turned up in Mandalorian, I was like, yeah. okay. It's like, perfectly cast. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, the one thing about the cartoons is obviously Dave Filoni, uh -huh. you know, I think his, his work, uh directing and narrative and storytelling is phenomenal and to see him obviously what he did with man with the mandalorian um with favreau and it's 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 just a, a step up from the mandalorian i mean i've only seen two episodes so i can't comment on the whole season but the first yeah. two episodes are 10 out of 10 you'll you'll love it yeah okay nice one nice one well yeah uh, yeah so we are we are um that's recording right. this a, a little bit ahead of wh when when it'll release uh so when people are listening to this there'll be more than two episodes out but all right we'll, we'll see if you're still calling it 10 out of 10 in a few weeks time you might get some messages online like, that's hey, right yeah what are you talking about <laughs> but that's all right but no so so ben who made the the two tubes um he worked on sabine's armor 
um, and um, he did some of the casting for her helmet as well. So, so th oh, that's so what are you getting? What do you what what have you what have you requisitioned from his <laughs> the armory? What have you said? Like, I I need this piece. Like, please. We're working on we're working on some things for the hyperdrive. Maybe for maybe for September end of September. So twenty twenty three. So whenever keep you an eye on this, keep an eye on it. Yeah. Okay. And there's something pretty special coming end of September for um uh, with Ben for a hyperdrive run. That's a big spoiler for us because I don't uh, usually oh okay get out of the bag. Oh well, <laughs> it, uh, look, this will only be like this will be coming out the first Wednesday of uh of of September, so it won't be too far ahead. So very yeah. good. Okay, but but you haven't really given too much away, so that that that's good. But having those kind of contacts through those groups, I mean, going back to you know, having these different collectors and people within the community, that's the reason I do this podcast, right? Is because I yeah. get to, like, I love collecting. I love just geeking out about all the different nerdy things that are, you know, that I, I've grown up with and all the nostalgia. Yeah. And I love to relive that nostalgia with all the people that I have on the show. So yeah, you're right. When we were able to connect and do that during the pandemic and even now, if you want to call it post-pandemic world, yeah, then, you know, it, having it really, those communities really is. is really awesome. It's really special, and you know, I, I, I love collect. I do genuinely love collecting things, and I love curating. You know, like a, you know, I like lighting the collection. I like um, mm -hmm. displaying it a certain way. But the the real thing, the real reason why I'm so, I give so much of my time to this stuff is the people, and the people that I've met. I've, I've met some of my best friends in this collecting malarkey it's absolutely incredible and it it really is the last five years and then i you know the last three years since march 2020 is really i'd say sped sped up connections with people um online mm -hmm. and i you know I, I grew up in a in a i grew up in the north of england we said like you know it was a interesting place to grow up it wasn't a very kind place and so i i you know i had uh, I was on Yahoo chats and things like that and various stuff uh -huh. from, from an early age because that was like an escapism and and to kind of it's been a big part of my life connecting with people in that way not just physically so for yeah. um have other people do that and then to build friends it's not alien to me and it's been really wonderful to have some really close friends from around the world yeah that's that's awesome you're, you're in one of those rare kind of groups right now age-wise where uh, people, you know, at your age, sort of mid thirties and you know, in that like 30 range, you have, you're old enough to remember the old media and the, like yeah. we were talking about VHSs and, and the way that people connected through, like when you met in the schoolyard and you found another yeah. kid that loved the thing, <laughs> like I love Star Wars, you love Star Wars. Oh, yeah. let's talk about Star Wars, you know? Yes. Or, and then when you found the kids who were like, Star Wars is crap like yeah. i don't want to talk about that nerd stuff like and now to now living in the life where we have the internet and you're yeah. able to connect with people and you can instantly find that group and that fandom anywhere and connect and it's really it's, oh, it's really cool it's really special it is and yeah you're right absolutely i mean my first computer my dad was a computer control engineer and we had BBCs and Acorns um, growing up, and I used to play like you know MS DOS games and yeah, <laughs> God knows what else with floppy disks, you know, not not the small floppy disks, the actual floppy disks that flop. <laughs> um, I think the first the first ever like at home computer that I ever did anything on 
like proper at home computer was uh, my uncle who was a professor um, had an IBM, yeah. like one of the very early old ones that you could play chess on. I remember that was like, here, you can play a video game. Like it was technically yeah, a video yeah. game. I say yeah. quotation marks, but it was essentially playing chess on, on this like really janky screen. <laughs> like, and I remember that and to, to where we are now is like just, chalk and cheese you know like, yeah totally so far. yeah and and yeah i did and i think i think it's really wonderful i mean seeing where it's come and all that stuff it's it's technology is pretty special um i've got a young son who's just about to turn five and i mean seeing how he interacts with technology and various things it's absolutely wild like he, how quick they know, pick he, it up oh he can navigate the ui of an ipad like nobody's business and <laughs> You know, it's just, it, it's really interesting. But I do think the one thing, I mean, this isn't, you know, Star Wars are collecting nerding out. It's kind of like tech nerding out, which me and you could probably talk about for about a million years. <laughs> well. But um, I think the one thing that, uh, you know, younger people of my son's age, et cetera, will struggle with is they don't understand like how it's made because the UIs are so good. Mm. But I think like having to use ms-dos and having to use command codes and terminals and things like that there's something that you kind of like oh i understand that all behind this is ones and zeros and yeah so so yeah <laughs> you know uh computers from a young age internet from a young age but yeah the um um you know pre pre that i mean i had i had in carter in carter 99 was like a disc that was like a pre wikipedia yes for, you know uh history yeah. lessons and stuff so <laughs> I remember having an encyclopedia on the shelf, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. The, the, you know, with all the different epi like all the different um, editions, like, yeah. like, or, or, or you know, you had A, B, C, like the the full encyclopedia, and that was where you went. Wow. And then having something like that on a disc, I remember seeing that when I was younger and being, but we were kind of getting sidetracked with the technology we've, part we've, of the conversation. We've just we've just lost <laughs> half our young audience here, but that's all right. We'll, we'll pull it back. <laughs> I, I think the I think the older listeners are probably like, yeah, I remember that too. I get you. I get you. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's let's bring it back to Star Wars. And and I actually did say I'd talk about um your agency, Head Jam Creative. So yeah, your collecting room or your collecting space is literally at the office. You you've requisitioned part of the office to do that. Now you said that you actually are partners with your wife in this agency. Is that yeah, correct? that's right. So I, I so basically did she make you do this? Did she say, we well, can't bring this at home. You have to keep it at the office. <laughs> okay. <a> great question. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so my wife, my wife is one of, um, one of the first employees of head jam. And, um, she, when I married in, I, I bought basically married into the business and, and I'm going to cut you off. She's not an employee she's the boss right that's right well but when she first started for head jam she was she was out of tafe she was actually employed here so she didn't own it ah, originally okay um and then when i married into it our friend nicola who's the owner um she she was much older than us and she retired and we we bought her out and um that was around 15 years ago now or thir 13 years ago and we have a third business partner now, Mike Preston. Mike's a pretty amazing guy. He used to run Cleminger, BBDO, Creative Teams, and George Patterson and various agencies around the world. And he's he's a very humble man. He would hate me saying this, but he's won pretty much every creative award around the world about three or four times over. Nice. And JD, you would have he he moved to Australia in the seventies. You would have seen a lot of his ads that he created over that period 70s 80s and 90s in australia he was 
responsible for like the Grim Reaper ads for RTA and the Tosser ads and, you know, the Reach Mouth ads and all oh, that yes, classic yeah. advertising. That was Mike. Like, <laughs> I so, love yeah, those Tosser see, ads. Anyone yeah. who lives out of Australia doesn't know what a tosser is, but essentially it's someone that's littering. That yeah, littering that's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so she's a designer. Uh, my background's photographic and film production. Um, so I was in the UK, in London, working and assisting. When I moved to Australia with um, with my wife, we, um, we, we, we started the, well, started the agency, bought into it, changed it from a print design business back in the early 2000s to a multidisciplinary agency. Um, and obviously with my background production and then my dad, the computer control engineering and coding from a young age, that's kind of why we kind of brought on those additional skill sets. Um, but yeah, my house is tiny. So to go back to the Star Wars collecting, it's, um, I live in a little miner's cottage, which for those in America or other parts of the world, it's like a, it's got two bedrooms, but it, it's not really a two bedroom house. It's, it's um, a shack almost. It's a shack. Yeah. It's, it's made yeah. of wood. It's, um it's a tin roof it's um i mean australian building <laughs> standards are very interesting compared to the rest of the world um but yeah so we have a we have a big warehouse where our agency is and um we do a lot of video production and we have a post-production facility here where we do our editing and sound mixing and color grading and it's a big black room and it had lots of wall space so when all this stuff started piling up and you're right i got a little chat from sarah about you know things at home and things being a bit messy i was like well if i'm going to do this i should do it properly and i curated basically the room um to function so that it could still be an edit suite so you know it's all very dimly lit mm -hmm. it's all spot lit um like a museum it's um all black displays you know wall to wall ceiling to floor it's uh yeah it's about as polished as i could make it to kind of get away with collecting toys so i, I was like well if i can make it look really you know impressive with lighting and various things it's a bit of an experience for people that come up and clients yeah it's also a good way to weed out clients now isn't it like if they come up and they're like oh i'm a trekkie i can be like oh well that's unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm only joking i do like star trek um, <laughs> a true nerd loves everything right that's right yeah but it's um it's good and it's been really nice actually to to have a space here so you know the the edit suites are Obviously, it's a really good place for me to produce content for the YouTube channel or my own Instagram or various things and, um, you know, podcasts with wonderful people like yourself. And um, it's a nice environment to sit in. You know, it's very quiet. It's um, sound dampened. It's there's no light. It's so it's cool space. But yeah, I guess practically it came about. We had a space here. My house is tiny and I had a lot of stuff. So um, so, yeah. But look, it's it's a kind of space that most people could be envious of, right? So you're very fortunate at the same time mm. um, to be able to do that. And you, when you say curated, it is literally it's like a gallery in behind you, right? Thank that you. I can see right now. And and I actually will say this: like for anyone who has uh, been to your Instagram or seen you know your videos, especially on Instagram, I noticed when I even earlier, just before we we were we started recording, I was going through and, and looking um, through your reels on there as well. And I, one of the things that's kind of stuck, stuck, out, uh, stuck out in my mind was when you look in the background, like when you're recording, yeah, it's, it almost looks like a, a digital backdrop or something like yeah. it almost looks unreal. Your, your background, yeah. but it is real. It is the it actual, is real. but I've, 
I've heard that a lot, yeah. you know, and I think, um, yeah, I think there's something to that. It does look really weird. I mean, it's kind of weird that I've got most of my good main weird. position. Good, good weird, yeah. But I also sit in front of a bunch of chairs because there's like theater seats that are facing the screen. And because mm -hmm. the screen comes down over where I normally sit, where a computer is, it kind of just looks like I've got a weird audience looking at the back of my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's a good space. You're right. I'm very fortunate to have, I mean, the room's about um, uh, eight, maybe seven meters by, it's like a square, basically. Let's Maybe let's go six by six squared. Um, which is a massive okay. space, right? To have a, uh, a collection in. So yeah, super fortunate to have it, but, um, yeah, it's at work. I guess that's the payoff. I have to come in and look at it. But little, I spend little... all my time at work anyway. So that, you know, <laughs> Hey, yeah, that, if you can make your workspace look that beautiful, most people would be envious <laughs> of that. Right. And, and what I would say is, um, as a little bit of a, a spoiler ahead for the podcast, I do actually have uh, a collector that's going to be on the episode after you yeah who has a space that's bigger than your space amazing so yeah. good in star yeah. wars or a uh, different 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 okay, collection cool. different Would collection be. um but pretty pretty epic uh space um so i, I would definitely uh, tell people to check that out as well so um <laughs> but like i said curated you had that museum quality and, and you actually did a video which i watched recently on the hyperdrive channel um about the ultimate guide to star wars collecting um yeah. that really get broke it down for people who were sort of like beginner to maybe intermediate co collectors and i loved a lot of the information we've spoken about you've spoken about the facebook and, and mm. those places so you gave a lot of advice for people to go and, and join those groups and really get in amongst it but you also gave them great advice on displaying the, the statues and things like that as well what yeah. was the hardest part of the setup for for what you've got there yeah so i'd i'd say my it's quite my collections deceptively I'm hesitant to use the word small, but it looks a lot, it looks like there's a lot more stuff than there actually is. Okay. And the reason for that is like, I have one item per um, storage display. Yeah. So with the exceptions of the one six figures, which I've created like strange family portraits with. Um, mm -hmm. But um, because of that, I think, I think the majority of people that collect the, the idea is you, you put lots of stuff in in a small amount of space as possible so um it, it it looks it looks a lot bigger than it is um so for me because you know i have i think i talk in that video around like how i've budgeted for it because a lot of people yeah. think i'm a multimillionaire and <laughs> you know the, the, i really wish that was the case and if, if i was a multimillionaire my, my collection living in the shack would be very different. Yeah, my house would be very different. I should I should have a photo of my house and where I live. It's like, you know, if you want to collect, you have to live like this. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, we basically, uh, you know, I, I have a pretty decent salary. So in Australia, you know, I earn, um, I earn a de you know, I would say above average, not not a crazy salary, but we, mm -hmm. we allocate, budget. yeah, we allocate 10% of our income every week me and sarah so i get 10 percent of our income that goes into my collecting fund she has 10 percent mm -hmm. of her income that goes into her fund for her hobbies mm -hmm. and then the rest of our money is um you know divided up 
into house bills and mortgage various things yeah it, it basically works out that i have about 150 australian dollars so it's about 100 us dollars a week um to be able to budget for my collection so it's Which about it's not it, it is more than some people for sure yeah. but it isn't it's definitely like you said it's not millionaire status or anything like yeah it still, it, still requires some level of uh like you said careful budgeting and planning when, when you're buying a piece right yeah it's you know I, I have the ability to buy i would say two or three major pieces a year or yeah. um you know 10 10 smaller pieces but what uh -huh. what has happened in my favor and what did happen during the pandemic which is really unfortunate for new collectors but work you know has worked for people that have been collecting a little bit longer is a lot of the collectibles that i had pre-2020 everything jumped up in value mm -hmm. during the pandemic mm -hmm. so some of the the uh more expensive pieces that i have in my collection these days would would very much be out of the reach of a lot of collectors so you know there's a um uh, this is an ahsoka tano efx lightsaber um that i have that's signed by dave filoni um just and thought, when, that was just your recent most recent reel i think yeah I, I did one for the you know i tried to find things that for the Ahsoka series to kind of put out, but that was released in 2009. So I, I didn't buy it new, but um, when it came out new, it was $350 US. And okay. now it's about three, between three and $5,000 is what wow. you, what it, US dollars is what it's selling for. <laughs> so I, I paid not that amount. I paid somewhere in the middle between the retail price and where it's at. So a couple of grand, but which probably stung at the time, but now you really, really stung. Wow. But so there's, yeah. there's elements like that, that I was able to then maybe trade up to other items and various things. And I also use a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of the big, uh, people that make props like Regal robot is one of my favorite companies in the States that make like, okay. um, they make life size, uh, like replicas. I mean, I can bring, I'll bring one up for you so you can see while I'm yeah. talking about it. Um, I've, I've so seen like, a few other things online so like oh the, yeah that's the, the, the crushed yeah and the rancor for example is um it's like taken from the actual rancor that was on return of the jedi and it's a it's as screen accurate as you can get so it's molded mm. from the original piece and it's signed by phil tippett the original ilm artist and I, you know so things like that i was i'm they do payment plans is what i'm getting at so you pay it off basically over the course of 12 months um and that's the only way i can kind of grab these things basically is you know my a percentage of my allowance each week caught an allowance at 35 but that's what it is, <laughs> is um, you know allocated to um you know to to that payment plan and you just got to be really diligent with your with your money basically when you start collecting stuff and the biggest thing for me is i you know i love lots of i love lots of fandoms you know you've got some really awesome batman stuff just behind you there and <laughs> you know one of the one of the most amazing uh fandoms that you know i'm a big batman fan particularly the tim burton batman's batman and batman return that's kind of for me it's mm -hmm. the it's the epitome of um cinema you know his his work there we go i'm just yeah. showing the uh the batmobile the the uh tim burton batmobile so you know take every single week and every day i have to stop myself from buying uh batman merch and it, why it, would you it do really it is. he's so cool like no i'm kidding <laughs> but it, it really it's an embargo i have on myself it's like i have to i, I 
said at the beginning, like I'm a compulsive personality, like a lot of collectors are, mm-hmm. um, you know, I incessantly research things. I go really hard at stuff and I had to stick to star Wars. Otherwise I just practically wouldn't, you know, be able to eat. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah would have to cut you off. Yeah, that's right. She would. Yeah. She'd cut more than uh, my allowance off. I just, uh, it makes me think if you, are you familiar with the, um, the meme of Dave Chappelle? When no. when he's where is the the crackhead Dave Chappelle crackhead? And no, I haven't seen this one. Oh, so it's a, it's an old meme. I'm 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 going back ten years or more in in meme culture here. But it used to be a, a, a it was a photo of him scratching. It was literally taken from this Dave Chappelle skit. It was all like, have you got any more like and like and so the meme would always be like whatever you know. Have you got yeah. any more of X Y yeah, Z thing? And I was just like. I was just imagining you like you know as, you, as Sarah cuts you off like you got any more of that Star Wars yeah. stuff, man? Like <laughs> totally. But yeah, so it's all it's all Star Wars, and then even within Star Wars, I have my collection has kind of two types of things in it. It's got one six figures, which are basically giant um, action figures. So that's you know me playing with dolls basically. <laughs> Um, which and, is at the start of another reel, which I, I had to, I actually chuckled out loud when I saw you literally the, playing with the cat, yeah. the cat Bane. Yeah. When you did the cat Bane review, I love that one. Yeah. People should go check out the cat Bane. But, you know, there's a lot of people that collect these toys <laughs> and they, they get really angry when people call them like, you know, dolls or whatever. I'm like, well, realistically, like we are kind of dressing <laughs> characters here, like call it what it is but um so there's one six scale figures um and then one-to-one props or um items is kind of how my or studio style scale models is what my collection's made up of yeah nice and look it's a it is an absolutely amazing collection um i'm i'm just blown away every time I see it, every time I watch the reels, every time I see it on the videos, like it's, you know, on, on YouTube as well. I'm always blown away by it. Going back quickly, just to that ultimate guide video that you did, yeah. like, cause I imagine that probably took a little while to, to plan out and, and put all the pieces of that together. Was there anything you learned about yourself as a collector or learnt about your collection that you weren't, that yeah. you kind of became more self-aware of by doing that video? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's really um, producing content in any way. It's like, it's really, I've, I I struggle with it. I mean, I've been a like a visual uh, communication professional in photography and video for most of my life. And mm-hmm. I think the hardest thing I've ever had to do is like edit a video that I am in. <laughs> um, and it, it's just the worst thing is just, it's like all your insecurities, everything kind of comes out right you like second guess yourself like you know you kind of it, it it's really awkward and i i still struggle with um watching content like i'll i have to watch it to practically edit it but um, after that don't, you don't touch it i don't like going back and watching stuff no it's especially <laughs> the live things that i do like i can't i can't do it so um, but I've done that video. I did I did a series about 18 months ago. I did like some shorts on TikTok and Instagram, which touched on like some of the things for that. Um, mm-hmm. So this time around, it was a lot easier. But the first time around, yeah, I think the biggest thing was um, coming to terms with like how diligent I had been in terms of budgeting. 
mm-hmm. and just really looking at that and understanding how that worked it was it was kind of reaffirming for me to go okay yeah you actually have done quite a good job here because doing what me and you do jd like in the collecting world or the fandom world like we are surrounded by temptation right like we literally put ourselves every day every day <laughs> yeah like we're we're looking at all the new releases and all our friends are getting hyped up and uh-huh. you know the, the the stories are there it's like this is released and that's released and have you seen this and it's uh-huh. a hell of a lot of willpower to um to not just buy everything and you know not to get a credit card and put everything on it so <laughs> yeah i think i think that was a big realization and then the other thing is just like um reaffirming like how much i love presenting the um the collectibles so i'd say that's um you know that there's lots of really amazing collections out there like um you know that that present really really well but that for me is uh what i've really loved you know i like in photography i like lighting things like the one six scale figures i create like weird little family portraits of them it's just like taking a group photograph of people and it's all the subtleties you know it's like half a degree of a movement on an action figure it's not like big things it's really small things and you know it can take those unboxing videos the actual video producing it is super quick and then posing the figures sometimes it takes over an hour and a half just to get the the figures posed and i know that sounds absolutely ludicrous but these things if you want to do them well it's just an absolute nightmare and then they fall over and you know you gotta start again and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. anyone who does toy photography would probably be familiar with some of them. Oh as my well. god! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, there's some amazing toy photographers out there. It's unbelievable what they do. But yeah, mm-hmm. reaffirmed a bunch of stuff. And the biggest thing for me is just reaffirming, you know, the friends that I've made and the community and how important that's been to me. And I think I spent like quarter of the video just talking about YouTube channels and, and <laughs> groups and and various things. So yeah. No, it's it's great. It's why it's it's why I'm interested in collecting still is um, people. And it's great that you could have that introspective moment, you know, when you when you're doing that and, and, you know, really recognize like, what do you do well as a collector? Maybe what you don't do well as a collector is actually, I'll ask you that. Is there something you don't think you do well as a collector or that you think you could improve? Um, that's a really great question. I haven't probably avoided asking myself that to be honest yeah we, we that's that's too much introspection for one day no, 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 it's good <laughs> i think um i think i no matter how much i plan i still have impulse purchases mm-hmm. and impulse purchases for collections like mine it's not they're not so like with hot toys for example the one six scale figures they get announced you pre-order them and then it might be yep. one to two years before they actually show up yep so if you if you make a buying mistake um on something that comes in two years time it's like it's a bit weird right because like it the, so you you kind of have to check yourself on the impulse buys because it's not like you go to the shop and buy something off the shelf it's like this uh-huh. thing takes 12 months two years like i just recently um i'm trying to apply to be part of the 501st the um uh the oh yeah Day garrison yeah nice yeah and i just had um i've been working with an amazing artist in melbourne to make a boba fett cosplay for me but you know that that's taken 18 months of planning 12 months of making 
you know so if if you make an impulse purchase decision online on on large items like this where does the money come from after that yeah yeah, and you've also then lost maybe you know two years and then something Mm. rocks up and you you sell it and it it is definitely feels bad so um yeah i would say still need to improve my impulse purchases um like every collector i think and it's really at this point it's curating and then some things have to go you know i can't collect everything i've got to make decisions now on what what i sell i i I don't want to keep things in boxes in a storage unit you know like i've i've made the room so all my boxes are actually stored in this room like the plinths that the displays stay on and they're all storage for boxes and that was a big thing for my for my collection i was like okay not only do i have to store the collection here i have to store the boxes because you know some of my friends in the collecting world they have storage units that are like you know in australia they'd be like 300 400 a month um wow for the space that you need and it's why i can't collect statues as an example because the statues like 10 10 times the size of the box is like a action figure so mm-hmm. it's kind of figuring this out and just kind of staying true to that but yeah i've got to curate a little bit more because um because i want to maintain the the space each item in my collection has so i don't want to overcrowd them yeah and and i think the way that your collection looks now is is it's kind of it's kind of perfect in in that you, respect mate. because That's you do have fine. that that space and it, sort of like that visual room to breathe between the items and stuff as well and i think as somewhere where you may bring people in you know like yeah to, to uh to, to check out your space it, it, it's nice because you, you know, they can take time looking at one piece and not be you know it's kind of like you look at some of the stuff on my um shelves and sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming just looking at everything on a shelf because there's sure. so much going on visually yeah. and 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 that is one of the things that happens as a collector sometimes you know that's, oh, that's what totally it, it's great to have all these things in my collection yeah. but it's also like how do i display them that's that yeah you know, I, I love the way that you're displayed it's really cool thanks jd yeah no and i you know and it's exciting as well curating a collection when it's you know when you've had it you know some of these items i've been sitting with for years and you know at some point you it's not that you get bored of them but you want to rotate them and i think passing items on to other collectors is really cool too and you know you can mm-hmm. trade for things and i kind of like that you know um element too so yeah it's exciting well i i, I can get to wrap up soon because we're, we're closing in on, on an hour i think just about a recording but before we wrap up i'm just going to actually follow on from what you just said Tell me about what's the what's the best trade you've you've made in the Star Wars. Oh, this is quite a good story, actually. It's not a trade, but it's a purchase. Does that count? Can I tell you a good story about a purchase? Oh yeah, sure, done. Tell me. Um, so there's a what what is JD? You might be able to help me here. What is the weird um, appliance center called that's in regional Australia? I'm going. The back. good guys. It's not the good guys. It's a. Anyway. For, for listeners, you can um, think of a rural town if you're in America on the, um, you know, on your Rust Belt area, like in the middle of nowhere, or if you're in the UK, I don't know, down Cornwall somewhere. And out, um, out in regional New South Wales a number of years ago, I think it was 2021, this um there's a c3po in my collection which is like a half scale it's like over a meter tall and i walked into this appliance center and basically this guy that ran this appliance center um just randomly had a star wars interest 
And he'd been huh. buying all these Star Wars statues and things for years because he liked it, but no one would ever buy it because it's just in the middle of nowhere in regional New South Wales. And I, <laughs> I picked up this C-3PO, which at the time was like sold out for, you know, six or seven years. And on the secondhand market was, you know, five, 6,000 Australian dollars. And I got it for retail, which was amazing. It was the most random thing. And, you know, to find things like that. And that's cool. In Australia, as you would know, JD, we don't like in America, there's the whole um, culture of like toy hunting. Yeah. Because they, they have lots of big stores, right? And lots of, we don't have a, a lot of that. No. And, you know, we've got what in Sydney, I can think of kids, um, King's Comics and, you know, maybe a Zing or a Pop. Like there's so few that yep. kind of exist here. Um, so to find something in that way was really, really cool. And that's probably, I would say, my um, my best kind of collectible find um, that I've ever had. That's a cool one. And I can I can see it in, that in the top corner in, yeah. behind you. It, it looks like a pretty epic, epic statue. Yeah, it's very cool. He's he's a good good guy there. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, mate, that that's that's a wonderful story. And as I said, I am gonna wrap it up here because it has been almost an hour and, and I know that um it, it's it's late here uh in Australian time and you're gonna be on even later soon with our friend George that you were talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, me and George are doing a live doing show tonight. A live yep. show. So uh, I'll I'll let you go and get prepared for that and it's de definite dedication. But before I let you go. I mean, obviously, if people want to go and watch a live show, where do they find you? Well, what, like, where yeah, do they so, go to find that Star Wars bloke? Yeah, on pretty much all the socials, you can find me at that Star Wars bloke. And uh, an easy way to find me is the Hyperdrive. That's e easy to remember. We're on both Facebook as the group and also the YouTube channel. Um, and me and George share the YouTube channel duties. And um, there's me, George, Christian on Facebook and a bunch of other admins and mods. But come say hi if you're into Star Wars and interested in collecting. We're a, we're a friendly bunch. So you can ask away. And if you've got any questions, you, you're more than welcome to send me a DM on Instagram. Perfect. And I'll definitely link um, all those things uh, in the description, as well as I'll link that video, the ultimate guide to Star Wars collecting that I was talking about as well. Awesome. People, they want to go and check it out. So Luke, thank you very much. Um, thank you. Uh, I, I think I'm going to start saying, I might start saying another one on the shelf, you know, when it comes to, cause I'm in the collector of collectors yep. and, and I now have another one I in like my collection. Here. I love that. <laughs> so, it's like a, so, you're collecting them. Yes, so I have another collector on the shelf. So thank you. And um, for people listening uh, as well, you know, I, I am committed to this season for four episodes coming out 16 weeks in a row. So I am, as you can hear, recording with multiple people now to get that content front loaded. So you can be there every week listening and collecting with us. So if you do love the podcast, go in and give it a rate give it a review on the podcast platforms that you listen to because all that is going to help me and help other collectors to find these conversations and come and geek out with all of us as well. So thank you very much. And Luke, mate, may the force be with you. You too, my friend. Thank you so much.